Sad yet expected news today. The first recorded deaths in North Carolina from COVID-19. Good evening and thanks for joining us for Facts and Fear. I'm David Crabtree. Hello everyone, I'm Deborah Morgan. And I'm Gerald Owens. Those two deaths top our state headlines today, both of them people over 60 years old. One was from Cabarrus County, the other someone traveling from Virginia through our state. Durham's mayor announced a stay-at-home order for the city, which begins tomorrow. Wake and Orange counties plan to do the same thing. Let's go to Mark Boyle. He is in the Live Center with the latest on the stimulus deal from the White House. Mark? Right now, that bill needs to get to the House and then back to the president's office for his signature. He wants it there by tomorrow. And now we're hearing more information from the COVID-19 task force. You see, they're still talking about it right now, live from Washington, D.C. In terms of that timeline, when can you see that money? Take a listen to what was just disclosed a short time ago. Uh, we also have economic imp inc impact payments. These will be within the next three weeks direct payments into most people's deposit accounts. And for those that don't have it, uh, we will be having the, the checks in the mail. So there's your answer. If this gets to the president's office by this week, three weeks, you can see that money. That's some good information right there. New tonight, 10 new cases in Durham of COVID-19. Durham Health Department just releasing this about 20 minutes ago, bringing the total in Durham up to 84. Back to you. Thank you, Mark. And again, we are now at 577 cases statewide. This number climbing with the new numbers in Durham. Two deaths and 29 people hospitalized. The first stay-at-home order issued in the Triangle is in the city of Durham. Wake and Orange counties are expected to follow, as we said. Joining us now via FaceTime is Durham Mayor Steve Schul. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's a very busy day for you. Deborah, thank you for having me. It is a busy day, but I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity tonight. So let's start with so many businesses and, and uh, restaurants and companies that have already shut down. What was the tipping point that made you say we need to have a stay at home order in Durham? Well, I think that there were a couple of things. I think one is that you mentioned the rising number of cases statewide. Uh, you mentioned the, the fact that we and have 84 cases now in Durham, and that that's going up every day. We had 10 new cases today. Uh, and also, um, I've, as much as most people are really adhering to the stay-at-home practices and social distancing, but some people really haven't been. And we felt it was very important to remind people of the importance of staying at home and to make sure that we enforce that so we can keep our community safe. Well, speaking of enforcement, how do you plan to do that? Well, this is an enforceable law. Uh, it's, a, it's an ordinance now. It's a regulation. But we're not counting on our police to enforce it. If they see some, someone who's egregiously uh, violating uh, the, the order, of course, they can enforce it. But this is going to be enforced by people doing the right thing. Uh, this is going to be enforced by people uh, saying to other people, hey, you know, we need to keep socially distanced. It's going to be people saying, I know I need to stay home uh, instead of doing the, going to that party I might normally have gone to. This is going to be something that we do as a community. That's the way it's going to be enforced. Law enforcement can't fix this. This is a problem that we as a community have to fix together. One more question, Mayor. What is the feedback you're hearing from businesses that are struggling right now? Well, you know, I was in business myself uh, for 30 years. I ran a small business, 30 employees. I know what it's like to be in business and be in a small business. And a lot of those businesses are really having a very tough time now. Uh, and so I'm hearing a lot of distress. And I'm also hearing a lot of understanding. I think that people 
understand that the that if the sh the quicker we act, and the more decisively we act now, the better chance we have of making sure that we are not uh, extending the life of this virus, that we're shortening the life of this virus, that we're flattening the curve, as you all have talked about, and that we are able to uh, get our community safer quicker, which will get us all back to work quicker. Let's if hope we that don't act happen. now, and let, yeah, and let it go longer, the economic fallout is just going to be much, much longer. Mayor Schull, thank you so much for your time. Deborah, thanks for having me, and, and stay safe out there. You too. Thank you. Thank you. We are burning through uh, personal protective equipment that at a rate that we've never seen before. So we're working tirelessly and feverishly um, um, attempting to source all leads uh, to secure personal protective equipment. New mask shipments to local hospitals are helping. UNC's Health Emergency Services Director says with the number of local cases climbing, the supply will go a long way to keep the workers safe. Is it enough? It has been a busy and unprecedented time for both the hospitals and the university system. Tonight, we're joined via Zoom by Dr. William Rofer, the uh, interim president of the UNC system, former CEO of UNC Health and CDC director at one time. Dr. Roper, again, thanks for joining us. I want to get to the university system in a moment, but first about the hospitals. You were head of that system. We got all these donations and shipments coming in. Will there be enough and people sending can those supplies safely be used? Yeah, they, they are very needed, and yes, they can be used. Uh, there's a shortage of the protective equipment, gowns, masks, et cetera, and uh, I, I'm, uh, I've heard that there's about a two-week supply on hand, but they need uh, people who have uh, personal protective equipment in their business or at their educational institution to send it to these big hospitals who are going to be treating many, many uh, cases of COVID-19. Uh, we, we even have people who are making masks at home to uh, give to the institutions and, and, and this really needs to happen. Uh, big business is gearing up to mass produce these things, but that's going to take a few weeks to come online. You know, uh, something else that may take a few weeks to come online, Dr. Roper, is the stimulus package. Even if Congress were to act tonight, the president were to sign it, it does call for $100 billion in relief for hospitals. How specifically would that help? Well, a number of hospitals are going to be getting patients for whom there's uh, no ability to pay for their care. And at the same time, the, or the regular patients that they would be having to come there for treatment or surgery or whatever are not going to be uh, coming in at this time because they've tried to keep those patients out to free up the beds in order to accept the admissions that they are certain are coming their way, people with COVID-19. So both of those work together to lower the the revenue, the, the, the payments to the hospitals, but the uh, amount of care that they're going to be giving and the expense of that care is going to go way up. Let's talk about the university system. It's the first week of remote learning system-wide. Mm -hmm. How has that rollout been for both the students and the professors? Uh, it has gone remarkably well. Uh, our faculty and staff and students have jumped into this with, with real collaboration. And across the UNC system, all 17 institutions, uh, this week, 95% of classes are being offered entirely online. And uh, 
I'm sure they got some bumps in the road, but those are being ironed out and, and students are uh, learning and, and faculty are teaching and, and I couldn't be more proud of the institutions. You know, one of the bumps in the roads, the financial hit, both for the institutions, the system, and for the students. Bring us up to date on that. Yeah, so uh, a number of things are, are at play there, including the fact that students who, about 70 or 80,000 who did uh, live on campus in our residence halls have been asked to go home. And all ex uh, but about 3,500, 4,000 of those have gone out. So they need a place to stay, either they're have gone back home to live with their parents or they're living off campus in some way. So that's an extra expense that they are bearing. We're working aggressively right now to uh, come up with a way to refund, appropriately refund for that campus housing and dining that they have been getting on campus. Uh, and then there are extra expenses that come with these uh, uh, new living arrangements that they have uh, had to undertake. Finally, for the university ourselves, there's extra costs for placing all these uh, uh, courses online and for the operations that we're doing um, in a new way. We're, we're learning, we're innovating on the fly. And again, I just would say how proud I am of the whole team. Bill, one last question. A lot of uh, high school juniors and seniors right now very anxious about the application process, yeah. as are their parents and family members. How do you encourage them right now? Uh, I would just encourage them that uh, they've got a bright future ahead of them, and we hope they choose to come to one of the UNC institutions. We're working to make sure that that application and admission process goes smoothly, and, and we will be here uh, providing a, a top quality educational experience to currently it's 240,000 students statewide. Uh, we, we're here to serve the state of North Carolina. Dr. William Roper, UNC System Interim President, thanks as always for your time. Have a good evening. We still Thank have you, plenty sir. to get to in this half hour. Up next, breaking down that stimulus bill, how much most of you can expect and what the retirement situation looks like. And we're answering your questions. We'll check back in with one of the top researchers in the country working on the front lines to fight COVID-19 and our efforts to spread facts, not fear. You're watching WRAL Facts, Not Fear. Welcome back to the Live Center tonight. I'm Mark Boyle. We are now getting confirmation from corporate folks at Harris Teeter confirming there was an associate or a worker at the Harris Teeter location in Wakefield that the worker had COVID-19. Some of the questions still outstanding right now, was that person working during a shift where other customers were there? Were they there overnight? And also, how are they doing right now? Are they home or in the hospital? That information hasn't been released. If we get it, of course, we'll pass that information along to you. Back to you. All right, thank you, Mark. A second straight day on Wall Street, closing in the green. The Dow jumped more than 2% today, posting its first back-to-back -back gain since February. The state saw more than 26,000 additional unemployment applications over the past 24 hours, bringing the total in North Carolina to 166,000 since the governor's first closing declaration last week. The federal government's $2 trillion spending bill aims to help millions of Americans struggling through this pandemic. Joining us to talk about it now, the latest economic headlines, NC State professor and economist Mike Walden. Mike, thank you for being with us.
Thank you, Gerald. Great to uh, be with you. I want to talk about the stimulus. If it passes as currently written, people making up to $75,000 a year will receive a check for $1,200. Couples and families will make more with $500 set aside for each child. Is that enough money for families to get through this? Uh, probably, probably not, but I, I think it's there to tie people over until this is all wrapped up. It's definitely needed. This, this stimulus package, the $2 trillion, it's a lot of money. It's all going to be borrowed definitely needed. Uh, and you have to remember also the Federal Reserve is, is really stepped up. Their stimulus package is $4 trillion. They're going to stand ready to, to provide money for, for people who want to take out credit, need to take out credit, whether it be uh, uh, communities, companies, uh, governments, state and local governments. That's really big. The Federal Reserve has never stepped up this much in a, in a recession situation. So and I totally support all of that because this is something that came on to us totally unexpected, no one's fault. We don't want the economy to burn down. And then when we get out of this, we don't have an economy. So these are all measures designed to save the economy so that when we do come out of it, people can go back to work. There are still companies and there are still jobs. Speaking of companies, companies small and large, hospitals, they're all in line for some of this money too. What should the employees expect when their employers receive their portion of the stimulus? Can they bank on their jobs being there when this is over? Well, we don't have the details. I don't, I don't know that there is a written bill yet because it's actually not been totally passed by the Senate and the House. But the rumors are that there will be a requirement for a company that takes funds that they have to promise to keep those jobs. They can't use this money. They can use this money on other things, but they have to keep the payroll. So that's the whole point here, that we don't want this, this uh, event, this uh, coronavirus event, to cause companies to downsize, to lose jobs. We, want, we, we, we essentially want the economy to come out at the other end, just like it was before. So I believe there is going to be a requirement in there that companies keep jobs if they accept money. I want to talk about retirement funds real quick. We've had some more good news today on Wall Street for the second day in a row. The ends in the positive territory. I know the advice is don't look at your portfolio if you're not retiring soon. Is that still the marching order? It still is. And I wouldn't get real excited about two days up. I mean, we could still have down days. This is being driven by in territory we've never been before. But I think a year from now, uh, a substantial part of what people have lost in the stock market will be back. So, yes, hold your ground and look for a year from now. All right, Mike, thank you very much. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Joe. Still ahead, we go to the front lines in the battle against coronavirus. We'll take your questions to one of the leading experts here in North Carolina. You're watching Facts Not Fear on WRAL. We have an update on a 500 side report we brought you at this time on Monday. Wake County Schools is stepping up to the plate to help with medical supply donations. Since schools are now closed, leaders cleared the system to donate supplies like gloves, face masks, and gowns to local hospitals. Bus drivers are in the process of collecting those items. Durham Public School officials tell WRAL they are looking into their supply stock. Joining us now to answer your questions, Dr. Lisa Grolinski, one of the leading researchers at UNC on the front lines of this fight. Dr. Grolinski, thanks for coming in, talking with us again. You're joining us uh, from, via Zoom. So I'd like to ask you about where we are with the pandemic now from the time you were here a week ago. Are you surprised? Thanks for having me back. It's really crazy to think that it's only been a week since I was talking to you and the number of cases has really skyrocketed. We talked last week about how the virus seems to be doing a great job at finding kind of a worst case scenario to proceed with. And 
I feel like we're honestly, we're pretty close to that. I don't think anyone would have predicted the crazy surge in cases. We had hoped that kind of the social distancing measures that we had started enacting in the U.S. would have an effect earlier, but we've learned that kind of partial measures just really aren't enough with this virus, I think. Uh, let's bring in some of the questions viewers have had with people making and donating masks like we've seen. We have this question from a retired nurse. We heard Dr. Roper talk about this earlier, but there have been some mixed signals. Are those masks safe for use in hospitals? So I'm not 100% the best person to answer this question, but I do think that in lower contact areas, those masks would be really helpful to keep health providers safe. If someone was working in an ICU and you know intubating a severely ill patient, I, that wouldn't be sufficient. But I do think these are going to help provide some barriers for people who are in lower risk roles. When it comes to flattening the curve and social distancing, the president suggests having the economy running by Easter, that's less than three weeks, is that enough time to see a significant impact? That kind of timeline scares me a little bit, honestly. Right now, we're still seeing huge surges in the number of cases that are being reported, and that's just because we're finally able to start detecting these cases with increased testing capacity. Uh, to me, a really worst-case scenario would be if we ease up on social distancing measures too early and the economy has taken a massive hit and we also don't protect ourselves from the virus. So honestly, I think the best thing we can do in this scenario is to be as overcautious as possible. Our best outcome is saying we were more careful than we needed to be. We continue to hear about the risk regarding pregnant women and what do we do about newborn babies? Are they at a lower risk such as baby older children? So there's been a little bit of data that came out of China looking at, I think, 17 um, either infants up to maybe about six months of age. And it seemed like they didn't really get sick. And so that was really uh, good, exciting news because these are some of our most vulnerable population measures. And no one wants to be stressing about their, the health of their baby any more than they already are at such an early vulnerable time of life. Here's a question we've had a few times. If someone passes away from COVID-19, are people who come in contact with the body at risk? Specifically, we're talking about EMS, medical professionals, funeral homes. So I think your EMS workers and funeral home workers are already going to be you know, enacting barrier properties like wearing gloves when they come in, um, when they're handling a deceased family member. So that should protect them. We're not going to be worried about uh, transmission from the person breathing in the space near you anymore. I would maybe be cautious if you are giving the loved one a final hug or kiss goodbye. Uh, some, some distance or being aware of what body parts you're touching there might be appropriate. We don't have any studies on this yet. So in this case, caution is probably the best idea. Tell me about you and your colleagues. How are you doing? How are you holding up? Uh, we're, we're very busy. We had our first Zoom lab meeting today, so that was exciting to test this technology out that we've used for other meetings. Uh, but people are in the lab really early in the morning. I'll be going back in around 8.30 to uh, take a time point. And so it's kind of all hands on deck uh, at all times and family members helping out kind of on the home front to keep us fed, uh, bring treats over, make sure pets are taken care of and all of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just watching you. Your countenance is up. You break a smile every once in a while. But I'm curious, when you're in there at 8.30 in, uh, tomorrow morning, 
What does it feel like there in the hospital? What does it feel like as you're gathered around beginning to do the research of the day? Are you encouraged with one another? Are you frustrated, all of the above? I think our spirits are up. We're all conscious of trying to treat each other well and be as encouraging as possible because it is a pretty high stress situation. We're excited to be able to test drugs and vaccines and really try and make a difference with our research. And so that really helps motivate everyone. All right, you're a researcher. I want to take a little bit of a pivot here and ask you this Mm -hmm. last question. One of the things the governor talked about today that was so distressing to him, there are people in the hospital with this illness tonight, some in intensive care and family members cannot get to them. What do you say to those family members to give them some, not only understanding and compassion, but reasoning? Um, First, I tell them I'm so sorry that this is an incredibly difficult position that they're in and no one wants to be in that spot knowing that their loved one is really ill um, you know, possibly on the verge of succumbing to illness and that they can't be there to, to hold their hand and provide support and share those final moments. Um, unfortunately, right now with this disease being so infectious and the risk of transmission so high, um, the best thing they can do is stay home. Possibly, you know, someone at the hospital could set up kind of a, a video in so that they could be there as much as possible. But I don't think anyone's loved one would want them to also be at risk of then, you know, becoming severely ill and spreading the disease to other family members. So it's it's really tough. Thank you, Dr. Gorlinski, and thank you for your time and thank you thank for you. your work. If you have questions you would like answered, make sure to email them or reach out to us on social media. Tomorrow is all about supporting local restaurants and Friday, a virtual town hall with local mayors. Our next newscasts are at 10 o'clock on Fox 50 and 11 o'clock here on WRAL. Thanks for watching tonight. Have a great evening. Good night.